Well, good evening. It's good to see each one of you here tonight. Would you stand with me, please? Let's turn to page 635 together. Page 635. We're marching to Zion, that beautiful city of God. Sing it out on the first on the first verse there. Come we that love the Lord and let our joys be known. Join in a song with sweet accord. Join in a song with sweet accord. And thus around the throne and thus around the throne. We're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, that beautiful city of God. Let those refuse to sing who never knew our God. But children of the heavenly King, but children of the heavenly King may speak their joys abroad, may speak their joys abroad. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, that beautiful city of God. Then let our songs abound and every tear be dry. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground to fairer worlds on high, to fairer worlds on high. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, that beautiful city of God. Amen. Well, it's good to be back in the Lord's house tonight. Amen. Enjoyed the services thoroughly this morning and looking forward to what God has for us tonight. I'm going to ask for Brother Don Katanik. Would you open us in prayer tonight, please? You may be seated tonight. Let's turn to page 625. Page number 625. Faith is the victory. We'll sing all verses this evening. Sing it out on the first. Encamped along the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers rise. And press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies. Against the foe in veils below, let all our strength be hurled. Faith is the victory we know that overcomes the world. Faith is the victory, faith is the victory. Oh, glorious victory that overcomes the world. His banner over us is love, our sword, the word of God. We tread the road, the saints above, with shouts of triumph trod. By faith they, like a whirlwind's breath, swept on our every field. 
The faith by which they conquered death is still our shining shield. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. Oh, glorious victory that overcomes the world. On every hand the foe we fight, drawn up in dread array. Let tents of ease be left behind, and onward to the fray. Salvation's helmet on each head, with truth all girt about. The earth shall tremble neath our tread, and echo with our shout. Faith is the victory, faith is the victory, oh glorious victory that overcomes the world. To him that overcomes the foe, what raiment shall be given? Before the angels he shall know, his name confessed in hand. Then onward from the hills of light, our hearts with love aflame, will vanquish all the hosts of night in Jesus' conquering name. Faith is the victory, faith is the victory, oh glorious victory that overcomes the world. Amen. As we go to the Lord in prayer tonight, I didn't want to leave a prayer request with you. Um, we got word today, uh, the Wills family, um, who have been coming on Sundays, and uh, maybe you know them, uh, Dan and Lynn Will. They had a relative that was um, tragically killed in an ATV accident. And so if you keep them in your prayers, I know they'd sure appreciate that tonight. But ask Brother Ethan Whitney, would you pray for the offering in the Wills family tonight, please? Thank you, ladies. Would you stand with me one last time, please? Let's turn to page 301. Page number 301. If you're redeemed, say amen tonight. Amen. Let's sing it out. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Verses 1, 3, and 4 tonight. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Redeemed. 
Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, His child and forever I am. I think of my blessed Redeemer. I think of Him all the day long. I sing for I cannot be silent. His love is the theme of my song. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, His child and forever I am. I know I shall see in His beauty the King in whose law I delight. Who lovingly guards every footstep and giveth me songs in the night. Redeem, redeem, redeem by the blood of the Lamb. Redeem, redeem, His child and forever I am. Aren't you thankful once you're saved is forever? Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Great singing tonight. Just before Brother Blanchett comes to preach again, what a blessing this morning was, amen? And I'm looking forward to hearing him preach again tonight. Brother Waters is going to come sing, and then we'll have the message right after that. Speak his name and demons tremble. Speak his name and angels assemble. Speak his name and multitudes bow in awe and reverence before his Jesus, name of our Lord, whose praise we sing, Jesus, 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 our Lord and King, speak his name. When a loved one is dying, speak his name, and the sad heart stops crying. Speak his name, and glad hearts sing, together adoring before his throne. Jesus, name of our Lord, whose praise we sing, Jesus, 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 our Lord and In his name, 
There is peace for the nations. In his name is the hope of salvation. In his name the wanderer tossed and driven finds comfort and peace unknown. Jesus, Jesus, name of our Lord, whose praise we sing, Jesus, 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 our Lord and King. What a blessing. Thank you very much. Appreciate that so very much. You know, we think about our Lord. We think about how He is the focal point of all of time and eternity. He's the one we ought to have our eyes upon, the one we ought to constantly be looking unto. My favorite verses in all the Bible, and not, I mean, there's a lot of good ones in there, obviously, but uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, you know, where the Bible talks about looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, that He uh, has provided it, He's going to finish it, and we can look to Him in everything. And what a blessing that we have such a God that we can look to and depend upon. I'd like to invite your attention this evening to Joshua chapter 3, Joshua chapter number 3. And when you found your place there, if you're able to, we invite you to stand as we read the scriptures tonight. Joshua chapter number 3, title of the message is simply this, All Eyes on God. All Eyes on God. Joshua chapter number 3 And we're going to consider the first six verses tonight, although we could take time and look at the whole chapter. This thought kind of encompasses the entire chapter. We're just going to look at the first six verses this evening and uh, maybe allude to the rest of it tonight as well. But the Bible says in Joshua chapter number 3, in verse number 1, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it." Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll let you be seated tonight. Heavenly Father, again, we are so grateful 
for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. God, we're so thankful that because of Him, we have access to You, that we're able to come, we're able to worship You in spirit and in truth, we're able to sing praises to Your name and glorify You. We're able through our lives to bring glory and honor to You as we endeavor to give the gospel, as we endeavor to uh, live out our lives according to Your will and to follow Your plan and Your purposes. And God, we just thank You so much for the opportunity to not only belong to You, but to be able to gather together tonight, to be encouraged from Your Word, and to be challenged as we endeavor to, uh, again, go forth from this place and God glorify You. Thank You for the folks that are able to be here tonight. Lord, again, we do pray for those that are not able to come. We think of this dear family that's lost a loved one. And God, we just pray for Your great comfort and peace to be with them and upon them. Be with Pastor Stewart as he's away from the church, and God bless and, and strengthen him as he preaches and proclaims your word. God, I pray that you would just give him of your great grace and of your precious Holy Spirit strength, and we'll thank you for that. Lord, tonight, please give us ears to hear and a heart that would be tender and teachable to receive what you would desire to give to us tonight. And Father, I do again ask that you'd be with my mouth. Lord, again, I humbly acknowledge that without you I can do nothing. And Lord, I need you, and I trust that you will give me of your enablement to be able to give to your people that which you would desire that they would have. So nourish us now from your word, and strengthen us, we pray, for your glory. And we'll thank you for that, because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can go ahead and be seated. I suppose all of us at some point in time have probably used this phrase or had this phrase said to us, but I want you to think about the phrase, all eyes on me, all eyes on me. Maybe a parent has said that to their children, trying to gather the children together to explain the plan for the day or the plan for the trip, uh, what's going to happen, what's going to take place, all eyes on me. And we, we say that phrase in order to try to draw the attention. Maybe perhaps you've been at work and, and the boss has come in, the supervisor, maybe you're the boss or the supervisor, that you've come in and you've tried to gather the employee's attention and to say, all right, all eyes on me. And, and what you're wanting is you're wanting, again, the attention because you're endeavoring to convey something important that you want everybody to know and that you want everybody to be on the same page about. And so we hear that phrase, and again, that phrase is a call to attention, and we might say it this way, it's a call to focus, to focus on something very specific. And I want us to think about for, the, for a moment here how a focus in many ways sets the direction, that what you focus on is what you move forward towards, that, that what you're looking at, what you're concentrating on oftentimes is what your life begins to conform to. How many of us guys have been driving down the road, seen a sweet car drive by, and suddenly our head is turned and so is our vehicle? And we have to auto-correct. We have our wife reach over and say, ah, eyes on the road, to draw our attention. How often have you been with your wife maybe in the store, men? And there's the clearance aisle, and she's like, ooh, and you're like, ah, eyes forward, honey. Try to redirect the attention away so that your pocketbook uh, doesn't get emptied immediately, or your wallet there. No, we, we think about this idea of focus and attention and concentration. It's important what we concentrate on in life, but not just in a physical sense. Uh, you think about if, if your eyes are not concentrated on or focused on, upon that which is in front of you, you very well could fall, 
stumble or harm yourself in some way or cause damage or danger to somebody else. And so our focus a lot of times in a very physical sense, it determines whether we stay in da- whether we come into danger or whether we avoid disaster. Well, I want you to think about that's not just true physically speaking, it's also true spiritually. It's important what we focus on in our lives, spiritually speaking. Where are our spiritual eyes gazing? Who are we looking at? Who has the preeminence, we might say, in our lives? And so we think about this idea here that our focus is very, very important. And what we focus on, again, is what we oftentimes will move forward towards. Now, the passage before us describes the manner and means by which the nation of Israel is going to officially cross over the Jordan River. That if we were to take the time to look at the entirety of the passage, we would see that, that God is going to describe not only the obstacle that they come to, but how He hopes and helps them, rather, to overcome that obstacle. And while we could consider the whole chapter tonight, contained in these first six verses is an important lesson regarding focus for forward progress in life. If you're going to have victory, you're going to have to move forward. God means for you and I to move forward. He doesn't want us to remain seated where we are. But rather, He wants us to move forward. Notice, not according to our own direction or according to our own wisdom or according to our own thoughts. But rather, move forward according to His wisdom, His direction, and His guidance. And so as we think about this thought tonight that Israel was to focus on God as they progressed forward, I want to just point out a simple truth tonight from the text that says that forward progress should have God as its focus. Forward progress should have God as its focus. If you're going to move forward, make sure that God is your focus. Because true forward progress will have God as its focus. And we find two features from our text tonight. The first feature being that of movement. We're going to see some movement that is going to begin to take place. But then I want you to observe the feature of a message because as movement is beginning to take place, a message is going to be given. And God is going to directly lead and guide and direct His people. And there's going to be a timeless thought that God wants to communicate to us about forward progress and lessons that we're going to learn as well. So look with me again in verse number 1 here as we see initiation for the movement here. The Bible says, And Joshua rose early in the morning. And they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. Now we talked about how the spies had returned. We talked about how their message was very encouraging. We talked about that, how that it confirmed all of what God had already said. That it was such, uh, that it reminded them, listen, God has the ability. And because he has the ability, you should trust him and you should obey him and you should get up and walk in victory. He's ultimately going to be the one to supply that victory. We see now that Joshua wasted no time in acting. I want you to think about again this phrase, and Joshua rose early in the morning. How many of you like to get up early in the morning? Anybody like that? All right, how many of you say, I hate getting up early in the morning? I prefer to stay up late at night. Okay, anybody like that? Amen. Late night owls of the world unite. Yep. See, uh, I used to be an early morning riser, and then I got old, and I am a night owl. It's hard to fall asleep at night. I want you to think about sometimes when you get up early in the morning, one of the things that you find is you find that there's a lot of time to do a lot of different things. 
It's amazing. Just I, I had to get up really early the other day to go down to the hospital and, and be there for a surgery for one of our folks. And uh, he had to be there by 7 in the morning, and the hospital's uh, almost an hour drive away. So I needed to meet him there, and I wanted to make sure that I met him early because there's nothing like getting to the hospital, and the patient's already been registered and taken back, and you've got to find your way through the labyrinth. It's always nice to be able to meet somebody at the front door and follow them in uh, there. And so I tried to get there a little early, and I got up, and I was like, wow. Normally, I'm just going to bed right about this time when I'm getting up. And, and so we're, we're taking time, and we're getting in there. And, and I want you to think about how early in the morning sometimes allows you to be able to get much done. And I want you to think about this principle here, nothing against the late uh, night owls because I am one of them. But the Bible says Joshua rose early in the morning, and this reveals a mindset that Joshua had with respect to God's will and accomplishing God's will. God has clearly directed. God has clearly made known, this is what I want you to do, and this is the next step. And I want us to see that Joshua acts early upon what he knows is God's revealed will and God's revealed time. Now, I I said this morning that it's important for us to learn to wait upon God, and it is. But when God says it's time to move, it's also time to move. It's important for us not to linger. There's a tendency within people to linger sometimes when they should be moving. And we find here that Joshua knows God's mind, and so we find naturally that then he acts upon it. And if we want to act on what we know we're supposed to do, it's best if we're willing to do it early. How wise would it be for you as a young person you that are young here, uh, to say, early in my life, I will seek God. Early in my life, I will obey God. Uh, My pastor always used to say growing up, he'd say, you don't have to take the the 18 to 30 year idiot trail. And, And that was just his polite way of saying, you don't have to waste the early years of your life. So many do. So many will take those years of their life that are very formative, when, when a lot of foundational choices are being made, that will set the course of their life and will implant within their life a lot of different things that will bear fruit later on. They take that time and they live recklessly and then try to make up for it later. Listen, I want to challenge you. If you're young, take the opportunity tonight to say, God, by the grace of God, I will serve you early. I will seek you early and I will follow you faithfully because you'll not regret doing that. You'll not regret following and obeying God's will early. And all the older folks said, Amen. Amen. Because all of us at some point in time, as we get older, we look back and say, I wish I would have. And what a blessing when you have early to be able to act upon it. But I don't just want to say that to the younger folks. I do want to say that to us older folks as well. That as God speaks to you about something, whether it be in a service like this, whether it be as your pastor's back, whether it be in a missions conference, things like that that you guys will have, or a special revival meeting, as God speaks to you, act upon that early. Don't waste time. Don't wait and linger and say, I'll deal with it later. I'll deal with it tomorrow. Again, tomorrow may never come. I think about times where I have said, I'll take care of it when I get home. I'll deal with God about it when I get home. And I got home and it was the farthest thing from my mind. And the conviction that was there had now gone away and I didn't really think it was a big deal. And God had to deal with me again and again and again. 
and how important it is that when God deals with you about something, that you deal with God, that you respond to Him. Uh, we try to teach our children this, that, that we want you to learn to obey immediately. We want you to learn to obey all the way. And we want you to obey with a happy face Amen. and a happy heart. You know, God wants us to obey that way. And the reason why we try to teach them that is because we want to teach them to obey God that way. Right. Uh, we, we want to obey God that way. It, when God speaks, if, if anybody is to be obeyed immediately, it's the Lord. Uh, that we ought to follow Him and we ought to uh, do what He asks us to do. And so we want to think about this idea of doing it early. We're meant to act upon it and not linger. And so there's initiation of movement that we find. But notice there's an implication as well. And we consider the implications of the movement. Again, the Bible tells us that they removed and they came to Jordan. They leave that last camping spot and come right up to the edge of the river and move from where they were to where God wanted them to be. If you'll notice there, and we'll talk about this more in a minute, verse number 5 tells us, For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. That Joshua is bringing them to a place and to a point where God is about to do something great. And God wanted them to get there and to wait there, to be there, so that as they get there, He could do something. He wanted to bring them into that Canaan land and for them to experience a life of victory whereby they would not only conquer the land, but be able then to dwell at peace. Again, we, we talked about this this morning, alluded to it, but isn't it a blessing when there's peace? And I'm not just talking about where, where we, we feel like, okay, they, they finally, the kids have finally settled down and gone to bed and we're sitting in the house going, ah, oh, it's quiet. I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about where there's, there's complete peace, where you're at rest in your soul with God. And things are as they should be. How many of you could say, don't raise your hand tonight, but how many of you could say that tonight that you are at complete peace with God? that those inhabitants have been taken care of, and that things are as they should be with you and God. Listen, God wants us to be able to get to that place. He, he wants us to be able to arrive at that place where we know the enemy is vanquished, and Christ is ruling and reigning in my life as He ought, and, and there is peace between God and me. Uh, notice that wouldn't happen if they stayed where they were. And the implication is you can't, you can't stay on that side of Jordan if you want to enjoy victory. No, you've got to get up and you've got to pass over. And there would naturally be a geographical movement for them that would take place. But it was a place that they moved from to get to where God wanted them to be. And I do want to say this, that as we think about our own lives and where God wants us to get to, there's a place of victory that God wants us to be able to enjoy that's a place of Christian maturity. It's a place of service to God. It's a place of Christ-likeness where we are being fashioned over and over again into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Romans that that's God's purpose, that He has predestinated the saved to be conformed into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. And so when you get saved, here's what God does. God begins to put you through a process, a process to look more like Jesus Christ. A process to bear forth fruit, the fruit of His Spirit, in your life. 
And as that fruit begins to grow and develop, it's because we are yielding that much more to the leadership of the Lord and to the working of His Word, and we're allowing Him to develop in our lives that which pleases Him, while at the same point in time allowing to root up and to work out and to get out of our lives that which does not. And so we find here in our passage of Scripture that there is a movement that God wants us to make in our lives to go from where we are to where He wants us to be. There's forward progress that is meant to have God as its focus, and we see this first feature of movement. But notice here, observe secondly the message and listen to the message. In verse number 2, we find some instructions were to follow the movement that was made. It came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. Now these are leaders among the people. This is a group of men that Joshua is able to give instructions to that then are disseminated through the rest of the congregation. And so we see here that as they come along to the host of the people, we don't just have armed men, but we've got women and children that are going to be making that journey over as well. Well, what needs to happen? A lot of organization needs to happen. A lot of guidance, a lot of direction. Everybody needs to know how they're meant to advance forward into a hostile country. The Bible says, And they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. I want you to think about how simple that message is. Essentially this, when the ark moves, you move. That's pretty simple. I love how God doesn't make it complicated for them. When the ark, where the ark goes, you are to go. The implication is simple. The message is simple. When you see the ark go, you start to go. But don't just go one way if the ark's going the other way. No, no, no. Go where the ark is going. Uh, Notice, moreover, there's a great significance attached to this message as well. Uh, We might say it this way, if they wondered where they needed to go, they had but to look to the ark. All the questions would be answered by where their focus was and by who they were focusing upon and what they were focusing upon. If they wanted to be able to know the next step, not only as an individual, but as a couple or as a family or even as a nation, they must follow the ark. And I want you to think about the reality that the ark of the covenant, it represented the visible presence of God with them. By the presence of this ark, one of the most sacred truths is being represented, that God was dwelling in the midst of His people. How incredible that God wanted to dwell among them. Uh, Again, we talked about, I think it was this morning, we talked about the, the the complaining lot that they were. The murmuring crowd that they were. That they were constantly, God isn't being fair. We wish we were back in Egypt. We wish we sat by the flesh pots. We had a lot to eat. Mama, 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 you brought us out here to die in the wilderness. And we would say, come on now, guys. Do you not remember the Red Sea? Do you, well, do you, don't you remember the ten plagues? I mean, God severed between you and them at one point to where it only affected them. Can you, can you see the difference here, okay? Can you imagine? I'm just... I'm, I'm rabbit trailing for a minute, okay? But we're in Egypt and the plague of darkness comes. It was dark in Egypt. The children of Israel had light. How is that even possible? Well, the God of all creation 
made a difference and allowed his people to have light while those that were not his people sat in darkness and for three days didn't move. Wow. Don't you remember that? Don't you remember not only the Red Sea, but don't you remember when you got hungry and God rained manna down? Don't you remember when you got thirsty and God had Moses smite the rock? And then when Moses was meant to speak to the rock, and, and, and all those different times that God... It, we, we think about the, the attitude and the spirit that so often characterized the people of God, that the people that had seen the grand and glorious things of God, and we might ask ourselves, why is your attitude thus? Well, it's sinful nature, sinful man says, God, you're not being fair. And yet, what does God still desire to do? To dwell among His people. To be with them. To have His presence go before them. To provide for them. To supply for them. We, we have an amazingly merciful and gracious and kind and loving and benevolent and good God. He's holy. He's just. And there's no contradiction with Him. But what a great significance, what a most sacred truth that God's presence was meant to be in the midst of His people and it was manifested in this Ark of the Covenant and it represented moreover a special truth of God's desire to guide His people in the way in which they were to walk. Listen, God didn't want them meandering aimlessly around the wilderness or anywhere else. With great purpose, He desired to lead them to a good land, to a place of great victory and success. And we think about, uh, with this thought, the necessity of a proper knowledge of God's plan. You know, God wants you to know His plan. He wants you to know His plan so much that He wrote it down in a book in a language that you and I could understand. Isn't God so good? to give us His Word, to guide and direct our steps with it. And let me just say, it's so important that you take your Bible and you read it every day. That you search the Scriptures, that you're constantly in it, that you're allowing the Word to get into you and to affect you. That uh, Joshua would be told, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. God's goal for your life is good success. But good success comes from saturating your life with this book and getting yourself in this book and allowing this book to get into you. And, And what a simplistic truth that if we want to know what God wants us to know, we have but to look to the Word of God. If we want to understand uh, what His will is for our life, we can follow the leadership and the guidance that He provides through the Word of God by His Holy Spirit. And what an equally simplistic thought, that whether you're an individual, whether you're a married person, whether you have a family, or whether it's just you and your wife, or your husband, uh, whether it's a church, whether it's a country, they can know, you can know, I can know that we're headed in the right direction. If our eyes are right on this. We can know that. And that's so assuring for you and for me. And what a significant truth that God will guide us to where and He wants us to be, when He wants us to be, if we'll just focus and look at Him. It's so important to keep your eyes upon Him. And we see plans revealed in the message. 
But observe the pondering that was to take place about the message as well. Because the Bible tells us this, Yet there shall be a space between you and it, verse number 4, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way here to for You know, something that I see in this text is that a mindset that they were supposed to have is that of complete and utter dependence upon God. I've not been this way before. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't, I, I don't know the best route or the best course to take. Okay, keep your eyes on the ark. Because the ark will not guide you wrong. Notice the Bible tells us that they were to leave a space between them and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. It's approximately 3,000 feet there. And we think about such a space and we say, well, why the space? Why come not near unto it? The ark was a hallowed piece of furniture. The average person could not touch it without instant death taking place. Remember Uzzah. In the time of David, he'll, he'll just steady the ark to try to keep it from falling off the cart, and God kills him instantly. Right. Why? Because the ark is sacred, it's special, it represents the holiness of God. Nevertheless, I want you to think about, come not near unto it. Why? I believe so that everybody could clearly be able to see what was going on. I want you to think about God's care for the individual. Wanting each of them to understand this is the way. Notice the context there. Come not near unto it. Why? That ye may know the way by which ye must go. If there was that allotted distance, God knew that regardless of where I stood in the congregation, I could be able to see right where God is. I could be able to determine the direction that He was going. Listen, God wants every one of us, from the youngest to the oldest to be able to understand what His will is, to be able to know the direction that He wants us to be able to go. God wanted it for them. God desires it for us. And again, the thought is this, that you as a people are dependent upon God for guidance in your life. What am I supposed to do? What direction am I meant to go? Well, God's meant to tell me that. God's meant to guide me. Uh, Is my mindset uh, one that is prepared to follow God where He's going, or am I trying to get God to go where I want to go? Notice here, uh, have I sought to prepare myself to follow the leadership that He is providing and preparing to give me? Is my heart ready to receive His direction? Is my heart desirous? Is my mind focused? Am I willing to get my eyes fixed upon Him and not on someone or something else? Israel was meant to focus upon the Lord because God desired them to know a right direction and to be able to make right decisions. And God wants that for you too. God wants that for my life as well. You know, we may sometimes think, I can figure it out on my own. How often have we said that? I got this. Let me take care of it. It'll only take a second. Hour and a half later. Do you get it? No. (laughs) Hate that. Hold on, I got this. All right, honey, open it for me. That's embarrassing. I'm just telling you right there. It was the other day, so teen activity, they needed some tiki torches to keep the bugs away. And a young man comes over, and we're pulling them up out of the ground so they can take them out to the place where they're having them. And he's like, how do you, how do you fill these? And I'm like, I have no idea. And so 
I, uh, I was kind of looking at it, I was trying to figure it out, and I, it didn't look like the thing was going to pop off or anything like that. And I'm like, maybe you just pull out the wick and just pour it in that way. He's like, oh, I'll ask your wife. So he's, he's turning, he's trying, he's not getting anywhere. This is a strong young teenage guy, okay? So he takes it in, and my wife goes, oh, just opens it right up for him. He comes out, he's like, Pastor, I feel so weak. Your wife just, like it was nothing. I'm sitting there, I'm struggling, and I'm like, I can't get it. So embarrassing. <laughs> I was like, you go, Michelle. Here, take these others to her, too. No. <laughs> now, I want you to think about, sometimes we think we can handle it, don't we? Sometimes we think we got it. And, and what happens when we think that we got it? Oftentimes we fall flat on our face. Sometimes we might be able to figure it out, work through it, but, but the question might be asked, uh, what do we miss seeing when we do it rather than letting God take care of it like He wants to? What blessings do we miss? What scars do we come out with that we didn't have to have in the process of it all that God would have spared us from had we just let Him take care of it? Regardless of who you are, the reality is, is that you and I are utterly dependent upon Him. Amen. That we need Him for everything that we have. God says, look to me. God says, focus upon me. Set your eyes upon me. Let me be the focal point as you move forward in your life. And so observe this pondering that was to take place. As this message was being given, God wanted them to think about some things. And God wants you and me likewise to constantly be thinking about the fact that we need Him. But thirdly, I want you to see verse number 5 here, that there was preparation that was revealed in this message, and a necessary preparation, if you would, uh, one of spiritual readiness that was meant to take place. Because the Bible says, And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I want you to think about the fact that God was going to do something amazing. That literally, and I'm talking about in the most literal sense, God was going to stop a flooded river in its tracks. Now, where we live, we have the little Arkansas River that comes right north of our town. And lately, it's gotten pretty, pretty high with some of the rains. Now, I say lately, I'm talking about earlier this year. I'm talking about last year, we actually had to close the floodgates and things like that. And we've had to do that in a couple years in the past, pretty recent. Because it rains so much that that river just swells and it just encroaches upon the town. When I first came to Halstead, I was like, why do they have doors on the city? That's goofy. <laughs> what is this, like a walled city type of it? I mean, literally, I was like, I mean, these doors are like this thick. And they're massive. And they're wide. And they're huge. And they're, and they're on the, these big, huge hinges. And, and they're, they're electrically moved and stuff like that. I mean, I'm just sitting there going, what's the purpose of this? But boy, did I find out. Your water can be very damaging. That when that river swells, it can be very treacherous to try to get across it. That Jordan, the Jordan River at this very moment in time in Israel's history was at its fullest peak. I mean, we're talking about a swelling river. And yet, here's what God is going to do. God is literally, He's brought them to the edge of it as close as they can get. And God is literally going to stop it and cause it to just stand up on heaps. 
I would have loved to have seen that. Because even the manner with which God was going to do this, what God didn't say, okay, go get a bunch of timber and let's go build a dam. And, and we'll stop the water that way and you can walk across once the ground finally dries and you can get in. No, God's going to do it instantly. The priests, as we're going to see, were to take the ark and they were to walk up to the edge of the river and as soon as the sole of their foot stepped into the water, the water would go, whoop, not going to go any further. And the rest of the water would just go, and the, dry, the ground would go, and dry up. And on dry ground, millions of people would walk across the river. It's pretty wondrous. God would do that the very next day for them. What does Joshua say? Prepare. Prepare for God to do something amazing. How? By sanctifying yourself. Sanctification has the idea of holiness. Sanctification has the idea of putting away evil from your life and putting on that which is righteous and good. Sanctification has the idea of purity. Essentially this, God is about to do something amazing in your life. Be holy for Him. Be right for Him. Endeavor to be in a place of right standing with Him. What might that look like? It might look like some confession of sin. It might look like some repentance. It might look like a seeking for God's mercy and a turning away from evil practices or evil thoughts or philosophies or whatever it might be. We think about this idea of a setting apart of oneself to God, but also of a willingness to allow that which is not of God, that doesn't please God, to be removed from the life and that which does to be placed into the life. What is God wanting them to do? He's wanting them to draw close to Him and walk in right standing with Him. Say they only had a day to do that? Yeah. Helps us to know that it doesn't take a lot to get right with God. You can get right with God now. You can draw an eye into God now. You know, the the thing that that, that it reveals to us is that God wanted His people to draw nigh unto Him so that He could draw nigh unto them. God wanted them to be close to Him so that He could do something marvelous for them. And He would if they just let Him. I wonder what God wants to do for you. I wonder what wonders He wants to accomplish through your life. What barriers He wants to be able to remove. That He's just waiting for you to take a step towards Him. He's just waiting for you to make a decision for Him. He's just willing to... Uh, for you to be able to lay aside some things out of your life and replace them with that which He would desire, that would please Him. I, I wonder what God is waiting for you and for me to do in order that wondrous things could take place in and through our life. It's not that He's limited. It's not that He's out of power. It's not that He doesn't want to. 
but rather I believe it's just that he's waiting. You know, there's a preparation that Joshua tells them is needed. And there's a necessary preparation, I believe, that God wants us to be willing to make. To draw nigh to Him again and to allow Him to be at work in our lives. To, be, to, to allow for us to come to a place where we will be absolutely surrendered to Him. There's a preparation revealed in this message. But lastly, I want us to discover a positioning relayed by the message. Verse number 6 tells us, And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. I want you to think about the people that were called to get into a proper position. They were those who were priests unto God. They were those who were called priests and designated as such. We might say it this way. They were spiritual leaders of the nation. And contextually and specifically, these were men that God had designated and permitted to bear the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. uh, To uh, essentially lead God's people to where He wanted them to go. As these men would take up the ark in the eyes of the nation, and as it would be placed upon their shoulders, the burden of a tremendous responsibility was placed upon them. To do what? To be in tune with God's Spirit. To go in the direction that God was leading them to go. And thus it would be a visual representation and an example for the people to say, okay, that's where we need to go. That's what we need to do. Now imagine this. Think about these priests that Joshua instructed them, pass over before the people. In other words, we want you to set and lead by example. We want you to impact and influence. We want you to follow the leadership of the Lord and thereby cause a clear path to be given for others to be able to do the same. What a responsibility. What a tremendous responsibility being placed upon the shoulders of these men. And again, God was going to do something amazing the very next day before the eyes of the people. But again, before that could happen, there needed to be some godly people who would step up, accept the responsibility placed upon their shoulders, and pass before the people. And we read, and they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. I want you to think about the necessity of proper positioning. The importance, first of all, of letting the Lord get out in front of you. In order to get in the right direction, again, God's got to be out there in front of you. But I want you to think about how the Bible says that God hath made us kings and priests unto God. That just as these priests were bearing a representation of God's presence among the people, so if God is in you by His Spirit, you bear the image of God, you bear the person of Christ everywhere you go. And because of that, whether you like it or not, whether you want to or not, you're setting an example for good or for bad. That you are becoming an example for others to look at. 
that as we think about this challenge and this charge, it's a charge to me as a pastor, but it's a charge to you as well as God's people to say, Lord, help me to be in step with you. Help me to understand the responsibility and the call and the, the, the necessity of understanding that impact and influence will happen because Christ lives in me and I bear His image wherever I go. May it be that those that are watching you will have a clear picture of what to do and where to go because what you're doing and where you're going is right in line with this. Right in line with the leadership of His Spirit. See, as Israel was to focus on God, they would do so and progress forward. Because forward progress is meant to have God as its focus. I don't know about you, but I struggle sometimes with being focused. Ask my wife. I'll be driving down the road and there'll be this beautiful Corvette drive by. And I'll say, hello. Hello. I, I like those funny cars, too. We used to call them funny cars. They're the ones with the suicide doors from back in the 40s and 50s. You know, those are pretty tight. We have a guy in our church. He's got a Model T or Model A, right? I think it's a Model A because he's part of a Model A club. Yeah, it's like a 1929 Model A. Drives at the church every now and then. Get to ride in it. Got to ride in it before. Let the kids ride in the rumble seat. Man, when those things tools by, you're like, hey, that's nice. It's easy to get your focus on something other than what it's supposed to be. But that's not just true about cars, is it? It's true about a lot of things in life. It's true about getting our focus off of the Lord and onto the circumstance of the situation that has come into our lives. The struggle of the moment, the frustration of the moment, the anxiety, the person who isn't doing what we expected them to do, but is mistreating us or speaking to us in a manner that we might term disrespectful to say, who are you to say that to me? Uh, I want you to think about conflict that takes place between people. Problems and circumstances and situations. And here's what they do. They take our eyes off of God, off of His Word, off of His will, off of how we're meant to respond and place it upon ourselves and our want of that moment. I remember I was in college... And I was working at a uh, frame and supply shop. We made all the custom frames for Hobby Lobby throughout the United States. One of the things that they asked me to do as an employee was they asked me to take care of all the delicate frames. These are the easily dented and dinged frames. And so I got all of those orders on my table. So I had a lot to do because there was a lot of frames that they just, they dented and they dinged real easily. Okay. I worked among a host of lost people. A lot of folks that they were Indians from India. And I can remember desiring, saying, Lord, help me to be a witness to these people. Help me to be a testimony to these people. Help me to uh, not only live before them, but have opportunity to speak of Christ to them. And I can remember one night in particular where I was just having a bad night. I was overlooking things, and others that were in the process just beyond mine, they were putting the frames together, they were breaking them, they were punching nails through them, and it was just a frustrating night. And I'm sitting there, and I'm working, and I'm trying, and I'm, ah! And this inspector, a little short lady inspector, she comes over and she goes, bad molding, just just about like that. 
And she had in her hand one of the frames, and a nail was shot through it. I'm like, well, yeah, that's bad now. All right, thanks, put it there. Well, a minute later, she walked over with a handful of frames and said, bad molding, and set them down. And I was a little bit hot. And a few minutes later, she comes, and I'm like, okay, we'll do it. A few minutes later, she comes over with another handful of frames. Bad molding. And I took them and I said, I know! I threw them down. And she went, ah! And backed away. And right there, here's what I knew. You just lost your testimony with that woman. Because you got your eyes on the circumstance and the situation and got it off of the Lord and dependence upon Him. Can I just tell you, I'm ashamed of myself to even think about that, but that's in my past. I went back to that lady later on that night and said, I apologize. I said, that was absolutely wrong of me. I should not have lost my temper with you. It is nothing of your fault. It's my fault. She said, oh, it's okay, it's okay. I said, no, no, no. I said, it's not okay. I should not have spoken to you that way. I should not have treated you that way, and I need you to forgive me. Oh, it's okay, I forgive you. But I want you to think about this. It happens that quick. Why? Because we've got a tendency to not focus on who we should. Can I just challenge you tonight? That what you focus on is what you'll move forward towards. Your forward progress, my forward progress, is meant to have God as its focus. So choose to have God as your focus as you move forward in victory for Him. Heavenly Father, we thank You.